majority of service members didn't want to participate with this. And so they were trying to shape that perception to increase the uptake. But when the mandate, just before the mandate came out in July of 2021, what they did was, and this is in the evidence that I provided to, to Senator Johnson's office, their goal was to decrease the percentage of exemptions that service members would file and just increase uptake. Nothing about that is scientific. That is purely a psychological operation. We know these products are experimental. We know they're emergency use authorized. We know you, you have to provide proper informed consent. They had a perception management project going. It was a psychological operation that was weaponized against service members and doctors like yourself who didn't go along. Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigaloff, where he can share ideas and thoughts with you. He gets to the heart of the issue so that you can find the truth. The views and opinions expressed are his and do not represent the U.S. Army, DOD, nor the U.S. government. Dr. Sigaloff was either off duty or on approved leave, and Dr. Sigaloff was not in uniform at the time of recording. Now, to Dr. Sigaloff. Hey, I want to first off by start by thanking all of the Patreon supporters. Shell Pace, at the $50 level, we have an anonymous family donor that's giving $20.20 a day. We have the Plandemic Reprimando at $17.76, and in that tier is Ty, Charles, Tinfoil, Stanley, Dr. Anna, Frank, and Brian. We have Kevin, who's made his own $10 a month level. We have the Refined Not Burned level at $5 with Linda, Emmy, Joe, Pat and Bev, PJ, Rebecca, Marcus, Elizabeth, Dawn, Jennifer, Ken, and then we have Frank at the $1.50 a month. And then our last tier is Courage is Contagious at $1 a month with Amanda, Jay, Spessnasty, Dorel, Susan, BB King, and Rick. Now, today I have a very special guest. He is recently out of the military, so he doesn't have to give the disclaimer that his views do not represent the U.S. military because his, he's no longer in the U.S. military. And that's what we're going to talk to him about today. Talk to him about today. Mark Bashaw, pleasure to have you back. I appreciate you having me, Sam. Good to be with you. So give us, we've had you on a while back, and I can't remember if it was just after you were convicted. I think it was shortly after you were convicted, and you were going through the process because there was an interesting thing that happened. You were convicted, and stop me if I get any of this wrong, but you were convicted for not getting the shot, which was illegal and unlawful to tell you to, to take it. But then not only were you convicted, you were given no punishment, and wasn't there a recommendation to, to dismiss the conviction, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, so the I was convicted for refusing to participate with the emergency use authorized masking, testing, and testing because I was unvaccinated. And you're correct, the judge gave me no punishment and even recommended to the commanding general to to drop the findings entirely, the findings which over my shoulder here, to drop them entirely and recommended that the commanding general do that. Now, the commanding general obviously has the command authority to either take that recommendation or not. He chose not to take that recommendation and instead use the conviction as means uh, for justification of elimination from service after 17 years of active duty, in which I served 14 years enlisted in the Air Force, all the way up to E-7 Master Sergeant. And then I did a direct commission back in September of 2019 into the Medical Service Corps, where I spent the last close to four years serving. So how many years total was that? 
So I have just just under 17 and a half years total. Wow. So just shy so, of, um, of retirement. Just shy of that 18 year mark where they can, where you meet that, I forget what they call it, but it's almost once you hit 18 years, it's pretty hard to eliminate somebody at that point. But yeah, so they eliminated me and gave me a general discharge with a characterization of unacceptable conduct for my refusing to participate with these products, but also uh, refusing to also trying to communicate the risks associated with these products and the whistleblowing activities and all of that information that you and I worked with a little bit behind the scenes and submitting that information to Senator Ron Johnson's office, only to see the Department of Defense completely ignore a sitting senator, which was it should be disturbing to every American listening to this right now. Yeah, and the retaliation that you've received due to this whistleblowing, whistleblower has, there's actually an act, a whistleblower protection act that prevents and makes it illegal for people to retaliate against you. And I would say all of this is retaliation. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it specifically says in Army regulation, lays it out black and white, that any time a service member submits or communicates violations of regulation, violations of federal law, or the Constitution, or specific and substantial dangers to public health and safety, that's considered protected communication and covered under that statute that you just mentioned. But for the past three years, uh, chain of commands have completely ignored what their service members have bring, bringing to their attention and instead have destroyed them. And many of them have been find themselves in the situation I find myself in where we given a general discharge with this characterization and that has a far reaching impact. Man. Yeah. And so what does general discharge mean for the layperson? Yeah, so you have different different characterizations. So you have honorable discharge, you have a general under honorable conditions, and then you have a general discharge other than honorable conditions, and then you have dishonorable discharge. And so what they're doing, what they've done with service members is given them a a general under honorable conditions for a lot of them, but gave them a characterization of like for mine, for example, was unacceptable conduct and some others was discharged for a a serious offense or something like that. So it, it goes along with for the layperson at home, it goes along with some of the benefits that a service member may receive after being discharged. So an honorable discharge, you maintain all your benefits, your reemployment rights, your post 9-11 GI Bill and things like that. When you get a general discharge, those start to fall off. So I no longer get post 9-11 GI Bill, completely lost that. I lost reemployment, reemployment, I forget what the proper term is, but reemployment rights, I guess you would call them. And, and a few other things. And then the farther you go, let's say you get a general other than honorable, then even more benefits drop off the table to where they start flagging you in a database to where if you happen to go purchase a firearm, a flag goes up on your record, which is, so that's a little explanation on those characterizations. When you say a rehiring 
that the limitation on the rehiring is that because as a service member, you typically have a slight advantage uh, because you were a service member. Is that advantage taken away? Is that what that means? Yeah, exactly. So if you wanted to get potentially apply for federal employment, your constructive credit. So mine, for example, the past years of service wouldn't apply to towards retirement or give me any benefits over another applicant that might be applying for the same job. They lose that as well. Yeah, that's awful. And that's all for so a lot of these service members. Yeah, exactly. It's all for me doing my actual job as a medical officer, trying to communicate risk, refusing, uh, lawfully refusing and legally refusing to participate with these experimental products, communicating properly to my chain of command. And anybody who wants to see some of this documentation, they can go over to ff1776.com and click on Lieutenant Bashaw Saga and start with the Article 138. That was my official complaint to my chain of command to perform a redress for the unlawful orders that we were receiving. And the, and then you can see the retaliation that ensued after that with the charges for a court-martial, sending me to a court-martial, and all the retaliation afterwards. So it's all there on that website. Again, ff1776.com. But and I want you to say that throughout this so that so, we yeah. know how to get to you. So we know how to, if you have a give, send, go set up, please share that often. we got to say it at least three times so the people can remember, uh, so I can remember. Yeah, for sure. I've got that over there as well yeah. on that website. And like I said, I think the documentation, anybody who opens it up and reads it can get a good understanding on what was going on, what I was trying to communicate and then what happened to me after the fact. Can you give a Reader's Digest version, the highlights of some of the, the big egregious things that you can go through? Yeah, so after I submitted that protected communication in my chain of command, uh, I was charged with uh, disobeying, uh, disobeying orders. So Article 92 UCMJ, they call it, disobeying orders. I was threatened with Leavenworth imprisonment. I was sent to a court-martial. I was convicted. I was given no punishment, but the commanding general decided to use that as means for elimination. I was called an insider threat, and this was documented after I submitted medical data to a federal court case that showed 1,100% increase in viral vaccine injuries in 2021 when the when these injections these in experimental injections were rolled out among active component service members and service members in general and yeah they took my government computer from me stripped me of all my access to all army public health center facilities so i was banned from even going into my place of duty for 413 days and my record was flagged for 573 days. Uh, promotion was withheld from me after getting notified of promotion to captain. They withheld that promotion. And family advocacy program was then, then weaponized against my family. You said you were deemed promotable, but you were never given your promotion. So that means that you were so good amongst your peers that not only did you already reach E7, which is a feat in itself, but then you, amongst your peers, you were selected to be promoted to captain, but someone put something on your, put a flag on you that kept you from being actually promoted. Is that 
Am I hearing that correctly? That's correct. So I even got emails and uh, notification from the two-star two-star medical service corps general who notified me of my promotion and said congratulations and this was only for me to be later court-martialed so i also got various different emails from different places notifying me of promotion only for it to be stripped away from me during the process of retaliation wow and then let's talk about the was the family advocacy that was in, used as a hammer against you and your family, if it's okay to go into that. I know that some of those details might be a bit much to talk about here. And if you don't want to talk about it at all, I completely understand. No, it was completely egregious because what happened was I was trying to communicate the fact that at the childcare my son was going to, that these kids were being forced to muzzle with these face diapers, these experimental masks. And then they were notifying their employees that if they were unvaccinated, they were forced to test. And I was simply communicating the same thing I was communicating with my chain of command, the fact that these are experimental products. You must give the individual the right to accept or refuse. You cannot force these upon children. At, and so that's what I was communicating. Anyway, a month goes by, CPS calls, and there's some bogus neglect case um, that popped up. And then later on, after that was unsubstantiated, the commander decided to open up and bring forth a neglect case on the military side. So even after the local CPS unsubstantiated based upon no evidence whatsoever, the command decided to bring one forth. So you were found not in any violation by Child Protective Services. And then your commander said, let's just hammer him again. Let's just use the military version of CPS just to make his life a little more difficult. Paraphrased, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what they were thinking because I notified them. I said, hey, this has been unsubstantiated. They decided to bring it forth based upon no evidence whatsoever. And it's just more of that coercive retaliation that we see across the board. And they did the same thing with the behavioral health. They escorted me to behavioral health appointment to, to for what reason is there was no probable cause as a commander to command direct somebody to behavioral health. You have to have some sort of behavioral issues going on. You have to have some sort of probable cause. And uh, they didn't and decided to weaponize that system as well. Is there any blowback for the commander for that issue? Is there any like legal avenues that you have to to help prevent this from happening again? I certainly have standing in, in a federal court, to my understanding, after going through all internal processes to obtain redress for this to no avail and then continuously being retaliated against for bringing this protected communication. So there's definitely an avenue there. And my goal at this point is to do is to conduct a a discharge review board at this point in time because prior to being eliminated i went all the way through the army court of criminal appeals system and they just kept on re refusing to review my case not even reviewing it but refusing to review my case denying me over and over again to the point where 
I ended up emailing the Secretary of the Army directly after she authorized my elimination, laying out the facts of the situation, the fact that you can't force and coerce and manipulate people into participating with these experimental emergency use authorized products. But that's exactly what was going on. So after that, they ended up unsubstantiating the case. Okay. So after they unsubstantiated your FAP, your familial family advocacy program case, did they leave you alone or did they try to mess with you more again? No. So they left me alone and they ended up unsubstantiating it. The commander ended up signing off on the closure letter, which arguably wasn't highly advised given the fact that there's known retaliation for the past 473 days at that point. And then they proceeded to have, and then they handed back my access badge to me, but they didn't document the, they didn't document that process. They gave it to an enlisted soldier to hand me back. And so it was, it was really under the table. Oh, give him his access badge back. And then I'm walking out the door after being, after being counseled and getting my government computer back and things like that. And they have a, a sergeant first class hand me my access badge back to all the facilities after 473 days. It, it was just, it was complete insanity, but not, nothing was logical the past three years. So you're allowed back in there because personally I was escorted out as well. They took my badge, still haven't gotten it back, still not allowed in the building, even though there's a new commander. It's probably that that counseling has probably been removed now, but I'm not going to chance it because I don't want to get arrested or anything like that. But they allowed you back into the building after they gave you, or they didn't say anything. Yeah, they just gave me my badge back and then tried to give me new duties, new duties that were completely unrelated to my actual specialty as a preventive medicine officer, entomologist, medical entomologist. And yeah, and I basically did more or less of that until they finally eliminated me on, what was it, June 26th. So last week, Monday last week, I think it was, my, yeah, Monday last week was my last day after 17 years of service. They, they gave me my discharge papers, which I refused to sign because it's not a lawful discharge. None of this is lawful. Yeah, I refused to sign and you see my DD-214 at the bottom, it says member refused to sign. I'm not going to sign something that's completely unlawful. And I have an oath to the Constitution against enemies foreign and domestic. And this is a complete foreign belligerence of our executive branch. And anybody who doesn't realize that at this point in time and can't see the writing on the wall, now nah, I don't know what it's going to take for those individuals to see what's going on. As part of that unlawful part of all of this, it's clearly unlawful because it all stems around emergency use products. But I also did an episode a while back with Todd Callender where he talks about the Secretary of Defense and not being able to FOIA a oath of office from the Secretary of Defense, meaning that every order that he's given, if true, there is no legality to anything he's put out. Right. And then we have this this squatter in the White House, this puppet who's sitting there in the White House, 
anybody who has a brain realizes the election was fraudulent at some point in time. And now we have the evidence coming out more and more. But even early on, we had we had civilians going out of their ways to write affidavits of truth to to tell, to show the American people, to show, to file this, the fact that they were seeing fraudulent activity. And now this guy comes in with all of his quid pro quo, whatever connections in, in Ukraine and China and everywhere else. And then we see the unlawful orders start coming down to the force and being weaponized against these products being weaponized against the force almost immediately. And so I actually, I just released, uh, I just submitted a declaration to Senator Ron Johnson's office on, what was it, June 6, 2023, that shows that the public health apparatus was running psychological operations against service members to increase uptake of these injections and decrease the possibility for for exemptions that were that were going to possibly come through. And so they started this program. It was called the COVID-19 Vaccine Perception Management Program. The public health apparatus started this program in February 2021. And basically, their target was individuals like yourself, doctors at the local military treatment facility level, and what they would do was they would create informants out of them, record their conversations, and they would get a read on the patient population's perception towards the injections. So, for example, if somebody, a pregnant woman came in to her physician, a pregnant service member came in to her physician, and she had concerns about the vaccinations X, Y, and Z because of whatever her concerns were, they would take those perceptions that she had and they would weaponize a risk communication strategy to, to increase the uptake. So basically take the information, whether it was legitimate or not, that this individual, her concerns, and basically say, oh, no, that's that's not a concern, safe and effective for pregnant women or or women who want to get pregnant in the future or the infertility issue. It's not an issue. And they would basically counter those perceptions with this psychological operations that were, they were running at this strategic level and push it down through the, the flight surgeons and public health personnel at the, the military treatment facility levels, local level. They made videos at the beginning of all this that we were required to watch this propaganda if we decided to refuse the shot, this EUA shot. Is that part of the same propaganda? Because it seemed like propaganda when I watched it. Yep. Yeah, so it evolved. So it, initially this program came out in February 2021. And if we remember at the time in February 2021, there was no mandate. But they were still they still had this perception management project going to shape the perception towards these injections because nobody, majority of service members didn't want to participate with this. And so they were trying to shape that perception to increase the uptake. But when the mandate, just before the mandate came out in July of 2021, what they did was, and this is in the evidence that I provided to, to Senator Johnson's office, their goal was to 
they said it in the communication to decrease the percentage of exemptions that service members would file and and just increase uptake but here's the thing there nothing about that is scientific nothing about that is health that is purely a psychological operation because if we're talking science we're talking the scientific method and we know these products are experimental. We know they're emergency use authorized. We know you, you have to provide proper informed consent. That's the proper way to do it, right? Look at what happened to you. You tried to provide informed consent. You tried to provide exemptions to your service members and got absolutely crushed in the process. And we wonder why. They had a perception management project going. It was a psychological operation that was weaponized against service members. And doctors like yourself who didn't go along and and properly applied the scientific method of uh, the first thing to a scientific method is question and uh, build a hypothesis. That was completely devoid in their programs. It was, if you, and I want to highlight this again, ff1776.com, you can go over there. It's the second file from the bottom in Lieutenant Bashaw Saga. You can read this whistleblower declaration and what they were doing with this perception management project. But it was all hands on deck. Let's weaponize the information, whether it was social media whether it was senior leaders, get senior leader buy-in to, to push this upon service members. It's no surprise to us because we've lived it. We were, we were the targets of this program. But I think for the average American to hear this, to read this information, to read this documentation, uh, it's quite startling how the Department of Defense, uh, how their hands were in every aspect of what I call a Hegelian dialect, which is a problem reaction solution. And they didn't want to talk about the real problems, which is mental health, which is, which is proper nutrition, which is uh, the holistic approach to health. They don't want to talk about that. All they wanted to talk, which is hydroxychloroquine, possibly ivermectin, some therapeutics. They didn't want to talk about any of that. It was simply shots in arms, psychological operations, problem reaction solution and it was very evident for anybody who's paying attention in the very beginning that was the case but for the average person that's coming along now to realize it just came out yesterday i believe that in a federal court the government was targeting social media were side by side with these social media executives in their companies and censoring individuals like yourself and myself who who just might happen to share some information about the FDA documents, for example, or VAERS data on Twitter. That was being cut down by our own government was censoring that information. So they had their hands in the problem, the reaction, and the solution all the way around, full circle. And now we're dealing with the problem, which is the problems from these injections. That's interesting. Let me have you say your website one more time, and then there's a point that I want to bring up. Just because I can't remember the website. What's the website? Yeah, so 
Yeah, ff1776.com. You can get there also through freedomfighter1776.com, but I've made it easy and just ff1776.com. It'll automatically bring you to freedomfighter1776.com where you can click the menu. You can click Lieutenant Bashaw Saga and read all these declarations, all these complaints and court documents, transcripts, and things like that. And that's FF, as in Foxtrot, 1776.com. FF1776.com. Okay, just so people remember. What I wanted to tell you was, is when I first got my onboarding at this duty station that I'm at now at Fort Huachuca, at the time, the hospital commander, she met with me, the whole meet and greet when you first get a new commander. Man, I wish I knew more. I wish I was more wise in the ways of the world. And I wish I had a video or audio recorder on me at the time as Arizona is a single party state. But she told me, how are we to know what the truth is when the White House is is suppressing speech? My response, ma'am, that's my boss. We can't be talking about my boss like that even though it's your boss as well. And she certainly showed later that her face was a different face, and she came down on me hard like a hammer to destroy any anything that disagreed with the propaganda. But I wish at that time I knew how the world worked so that I could have had a recorder with me to show how that is disparaging remarks to the President of the United States. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that out there. Yeah, it's incredible. The I sometimes I'm just left speechless. I don't know what to say. It's crazy. But she's now been taken out of command after two years of command, which typically most commanders are in there for three years. So I don't know. Maybe she got promoted. Maybe she got relieved. I don't know any of the particulars of that situation. All I know is she's no longer the commander after two years. Yeah, I'm sure she'll get promoted. With this upside down world we're living in and this uh, up is down is up, I'm sure she'll get promoted. That's my pessimistic attitude coming through. There's an optimistic side of me, but that's my pessimistic side of me. I'm hoping that eventually all these people will be breaking smaller rock or big rocks into smaller rocks and will be restored, but we'll have to wait for that day. Yeah, Lord willing. God will have his vengeance. That's all I got to say to that. God will certainly have his vengeance. And the thing is, the entire time I've been working with you for quite a while and, and the many other service members who have been retaliated against, the entire time we've been communicating with these individuals like, hey, you're breaking the law. Here's your chance to work with us instead of against us. And they chose to just destroy us. But my God is so much bigger that I'm not worried about a 20-year retirement. I was worried about glorifying my God and carrying out my oath of office and making sure I didn't break the law, but communicate when I saw those issues so I could perform a redress properly so we could work together instead of against one another. And what I witnessed was service members with the same uniform destroying me for the past 573 days. Yeah, it's almost as if truth is not allowed in the military at this point. Yep, they're just the, and it's crazy because being in the scientific medical field, that that's the basis. 
When you're looking at like vector-borne disease or risk communication strategies, you're having to evaluate this information, the signals, safety signals, uh, medical signals, and promote a proper risk communication strategy to protect service members. But that was, that's been completely thrown out the window with this pandemic, I call it, from the start. We can go back to the PCR testing and, and all that stuff, which is highly manipulated. We know the Department of Defense was running these tests at 45 cycles. It creates an immense amount of false positive, but not just Department of Defense. Look at these hospitals and these various hospitals that were running these at immensely high thresholds. And it was all incentivized to do so by the government because they were paying these stimuluses for positives and all this other stuff during a this quote unquote emergency. Yeah, and being in, on your side of it, you you have a much more clear view of that with your history and, and what you do for medicine. Yeah, and I would attribute that to my experience in the Air Force. When I was in the Air Force, I dealt with a lot of real problems and had to implement real solutions. And I would need to understand the problem. So when I was in the Air Force, I did civil engineering, pest management, vector-borne disease, entomology type work. And if you didn't understand the problem you were facing with, you would have to go out and reapply a new strategy. And so it, it was very advantageous to do a proper inspection, investigative work to figure out what we were dealing with and, and how we could effectively implement a solution. Uh, and there's a right way of going about it and there's a wrong way of going about it. Particularly, there's a psychological aspect. For example, when I was in Africa, there was black mambas. And black mambas are the fifth deadliest snake. They're the world's fastest snake. And the psychological aspect is this. The improper way for me to take care of the service members at that location would would be through fear. I, and that's, hey, guys, you got to be careful. We got black mambas, fifth world's deadliest snake. They're the world's fastest snake. If you get bit by one of these, you're going to die. And if you get the anti-venom, there's only a 50% chance of living, right? Which all of that is true, but but it's not completely the whole story. And so the proper way to go about it is, yes, we do have black mambas here, but the black mambas are more afraid of you than you are of them. And more times than not, they're going to go the opposite way. It, it is important to stay cognizant of your surroundings. And if you see one of these, report it so we can come over, we can look at it, we can do an inspection. And what we'll do in that inspection is we'll make sure we'll look at the cracks and crevices and the avenues of entrance, and we'll help you out where we can. And the best way to kill a snake is to cut the head of the snake off. And sometimes you had to go and cut the head of the snake off. And so we would do that. That was my primary mission was to deal with these problems and implement proper solutions so those service members can carry out their mission and not have to worry about a, a black mamba in their room while they sleep or whatever the case is. There's many different examples. So when we apply this to the, the public health apparatus, 
It's not that at all. It's fear. We've got a deadly virus. And the only solution is going to be an injection. And that that is so far from the truth. It's ridiculous. First off, we need we still don't even understand what we're dealing with here because we're using a faulty PCR method to categorize this, whatever the body's going through. What is it going through? What is it being? Is it a virus? Is it a disease or is your body detoxifying from elements in the environment, whether it's the water you drink, the air you breathe, or the food you intake, right? And so we've got the test to where we can categorize the body and say you've got COVID-19 because we ran it at 45 cycle thresholds. And then you've got the the media in your back pocket with the reaction, and then you swoop in with the solution, which is this uh, another beginning to a problem, which is a, an injection that doesn't work and has been incredibly dangerous and deadly, or at, at the very least, injurious to the person who participates. And I'd go even a little bit further and have the listener go back and listen to the episode I did called In the COVID with Alex Zek, and, or In COVID with Alex Zek. And in there, he gets into, are viruses what we think they are they a thing or are they something else are they some anomaly that we see everywhere that we're looking at incorrectly yeah no that's correct I, and i believe I, yeah i believe the answer is somewhere in the middle i don't i think you have to take a holistic approach i you in my opinion again that's just my opinion that's just my thoughts i you have to from my experience, taking a holistic approach to something is a much better outcome than saying, oh, hey, it's this. It's this, and it's only this, and this is what, no, I'm sorry, but nope, I just don't buy into it. I don't buy into that fear propaganda. And I think that's, I think you're absolutely right. The answer is in the middle. And when you buy into the fear, you're more susceptible to become ill because your body gets dragged down and it can't fight whatever is there or whatever toxin is there, whether it be a virus or not a virus. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It puts uh, stressors on your body and it just creates an environment ready to create some sort of uh, process to where you're having symptomologies, whether it's headaches, runny noses, your body's trying to get rid of that stuff, trying to purify itself. But that's the beautiful thing about spirituality and the fact that this is largely a spiritual warfare that we're in. Uh, me personally, when I submit to my Lord and Savior and I ask for that divine providence, the power of God is amazing and the ability God has to heal oneself uh, in the individual is it's second to none. It's But there are other options out there on the table. It's just we're not even discussing them as a medical community. We're not talking about holistic approaches. We're not talking about healthy lifestyles. We're not talking about any of that inside the military. It's And, and in the medical mil, industrial complex in general is not talking about that. And that's why a lot of doctors have left and gone off to do their independent thing, which I think more of that needs to happen because at the end of the day, those are the individuals I want to work with, I want to discuss with, I want, if I'm going through something, be able to go to them for assistance and help versus this mainstream establishment that 
has nothing to do with helping oneself heal. Right. It's about take what we're going to give you and you can't have your freedoms until we give it to you. That's not freedom. Right. That's slavery. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's complete and utter slavery and just tyranny. And for the service members out there, some for the service members out there, at what point in our documentation in that contract we sign, whether it's a whether it's our oath of office, which is an official document, it's a Department of the Army Form 71, or if you're enlisted out there, which is a Department of Defense Form 4, that's your oath of enlistment, what part of that document, open it up, find it, look at it, read it, and what part of that document says, when you sign that dotted line, you lose your rights, your God-given rights? What part of that document says that, you become the property of another man or woman. What part of that document says that another man or woman can administer right with property without right? None of that does. And that's the beautiful thing about an all-volunteer force. It's an all-volunteer force. We all voluntarily raised our right hand, signed that dotted line to support and defend the Constitution against enemies, foreign and domestic. But at no point in time do we lose those constitutional, those God-given rights. We are to secure those rights. Those rights aren't even given us to, to us by the Constitution. They are God-given unalienable rights, which is unalienable. A lien cannot be placed upon those rights, and those rights are your property. So again, what part of your documentation, when you signed up to serve, show me where it says you signed away those rights. It, it wouldn't make sense because that's why we serve. We serve to secure those rights. We serve to uh, protect, defend and protect the Constitution against enemies, foreign and domestic. And it surely looks the past the past two years plus that we have a domestic foreign belligerence within our ranks. And get your minds right. Get your minds right. And you better whip out that book that Dr. Sam Sigaloff raised up there, the Constitution, and read it and understand it. Because that's exactly the only legitimate contract you have is to support and defend that contract which is between the we the people and our form of government that's beautiful that's exactly right we never give up any rights and our rights don't come from any state they don't come from any other man or woman they come from god and if you're not a believer in in, in a god they come from the mere fact that you are a human that you are alive doesn't matter what state of being you're at. You could be mentally incapable. You could be a single cell human. There are single cell humans out there and they're gaining more cells as seconds progress. They have the same rights as you and I do. Yeah, in the beginning, God created man and woman and he gave man, woman, dominion over the land, the earth and the water. Genesis 1, 26 through 28, go read it. But if you don't know who you are in a man or a woman, how could you possibly stand upon your God-given unalienable rights? When you think you're a woman, when you're an actually born biological male, how could you stand upon your unalienable God-given rights? You're turning yourself into a slave is what you're doing. And you're lying. You're lying to yourself and you're forcing others around you to lie. 
Yeah, it's a big illusion. It's a demonic illusion. It's a deception. It's not real. It's fake. All right, Mark. This has been great. Thank you so much yeah, for coming. It's always on. great talking to you, Sam. I think that is a perfect God place to stop. You. And uh, I can't see topping what, we, what what you just said. <laughs> So people can find you at tell me one more time in case anybody wasn't listening yep freedomfighter1776.com or ff1776.com and we'll be praying for you i'll be praying for you and if there i hope that you'll have some legal recourse in the near future where you can set all this right and if not definitely god will make all this right someday appreciate it god bless you sam God bless you. Thank you. Just a reminder for everyone out there, duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God. Let's all make courage more contagious than fear. I have a new affiliate, Harvest Right Freeze Dryers. Take a look at the link below and see if it's right for you. It's a great way to store food for you and your family up to 25 years if stored properly.